0: Welcome back to Resolved. We all encounter difficult issues at times. Life can get tough and it may seem impossible. But no matter what, and through it all, Jesus Christ is the answer. And through Him, we can rise up and be more than conquerors. Today's message is about encouragement. Have you ever needed to be encouraged? When was the last time you gave that positive word to someone who really needed it? We'll explore its power next on Resolved. Now, let's join Pastor Tom Porter.
1: Turn with me to Second Corinthians, if you would, Second Corinthians and uh, chapter one. And we're going to be talking about focusing on the Lord Jesus Christ for a lot of things, but mainly for encouragement. Is there anybody here that needs encouragement here today? Are you fighting it? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you, God, for the battles that have been fought this week within our hearts and our souls. Thank you for the victories that we have in Christ Jesus. Thank you, God, for meeting our needs and, Lord, for being Lord of our lives. Help us to continue to yield our lives to the Holy Spirit that indwells within us. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen, amen. Amen. Look at first 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1. Look down at verse 3. It says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all, what's that word? Comfort, who comforteth us in all our what's that word? Tribulation. All our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. When life is tiring, when you are struggling with your sin, when family members aren't saved, when bills aren't being paid, when school is difficult, when work is exhausting, when your health is failing, when your loved ones are hurting, when the future is unsure, and when a good friend leaves, it is easy to be discouraged. I got a little bit discouraged, I must admit. Preacher, you don't get discouraged, do you? (laughs) Discouragement is a thief. Discouragement is a thief. It steals your vitality, your zeal. It steals your joy. It steals your peace and your contentment. I don't know about you, but when I'm discouraged, I don't feel too good. Today, I hope to point you through these four verses of how that we can overcome discouragement and why does God allow discouragement in our lives? Why does He allow that? God, if you're God of of me and you're my Savior, why do I have to go through these, these trials and these tribulations? If discouragement dwells long with you, its friends will soon join you and their names are fatigue, hopelessness, Despair, self pity, depression, doubt, bitterness. Sometimes discouragement can be so strong that you even don't want to go on living. Discouragement is dissatisfaction with the past, distaste for the present, and distrust of the future. I just don't trust the future. I don't know where I'm going. Is that you today? It is the result of blindness, spiritual blindness. It is ingratitude for the blessings of yesterday. There's a a post on Facebook that's been going around a lot, and it says this, What if you woke up today with only the possessions you thank God for yesterday? Are you a thankful person? Do you thank God for what you have? Well, I don't have much, preacher, but what you have. Everything that we have is of God. The Bible tells us discouragement is indifference to the opportunities of today. Well, you know it. When you're discouraged, opportunities come your way. You just don't feel motivated to do anything, do you? Hey, I got a job for you. Nah, I, I've heard the story, I don't know if it's true or not, you hear all these stories, but I heard the story uh, when I lived in Lake Wales, we had orange groves all around, and, and a lot of uh, men would stay out in the orange groves, you know, the homeless, and there was a homeless guy and he was kind of near the road so he could be seen by the road, and, and uh, he just a lazy old cuss, he just wouldn't do anything, he was so discouraged. And somebody stopped and got out one of the farmers and said, sir, I'm going to give you this $20 bill. And the homeless man said, roll me over and put it in my hip pocket. Now, that's discouragement. That's being discouraged. You don't even have the motivation to take a 20. Just put it in my pocket. I'm so discouraged. It's unbelief in the promise of God's Word. It's unawareness of the presence of God. May I say to you that God loves you? God loves you unconditionally. He loves you right where you're at. He loves you so much that he gave his only begotten son. And he doesn't want you to be discouraged. But yet with the discouragement, he wants to teach us some lessons. I had a barber who said this all the time. I'd sit down in the chair when I was in Bible school. I'd sit down in the barber chair and he'd say, give God your heart, give me your head. He'd take my head and shake it like that. Give God your heart, give me your head. that reminds me of a Bible verse. You see, we ought to stay focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. You want to keep your discouragements to a minimum. May I tell you, keep focused on Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ needs to be number one in your life. Don't allow anything to take away the focus that you have upon the Lord Jesus Christ. For when you take your focus off God, you will fail. You'll mess up. Stay focused. My barber wasn't too far from Proverbs 23, 26, and it says this, My son, give me thine heart, and let thine eyes observe my ways. My son, give me thine heart. Have you done that? Well, people say, yes, I've given the Lord. I've asked Jesus Christ to come to my heart. I've given my life over to the Lord Jesus Christ. But are you keeping your eyes fixed upon him? And that's not an easy thing to do. That's not an easy thing to do. When I was 18 years of age, I, uh, I've told some of you this. I, I went to my father who was an, who was an airborne trooper. He was stationed at MacDill Air Force Base. And, um, I said, dad, do they have sport parachuting at McDill? He said, yeah, there is a sport parachuting club, uh, at McDill. I said, dad, I, I've been watching you jump out of planes ever since I was a baby. I would love to jump out of a plane. I've been up and, uh, watched them jump out of the plane. Uh, but I'd love to just literally jump out of a perfectly good, uh, airplane. And, uh, my dad, he just got this big smile on his face and he said, yes. He said, Tommy, I'll, I'll introduce you to uh, the sergeant there at McDill Air Force Base and he'll show you how, that, uh, how you can jump out of an airplane. He'll train you. It's a two-week course. And I said, boy, that'd be great. Well, I met Sergeant Carter. Y'all know who Sergeant Carter is on uh, the TV show Gomer Pyle? Well, I met him or his twin brother. short Flat top, blue eyes, and looked built like a bulldog. And could spray his DNA all over my face when he wanted to. And uh, so I met him and, and uh, went through two weeks of, of learning how to, how to fall. I learned how to fall going forwards, backwards, and sideways. Running in, in your combat boots and, and just for two solid weeks. I was crazy. But I guess Carter looked at me and said, you're going to need two weeks of this, man. So after the two weeks was over, been trained, the morning of the big jump. And I, uh, I was nervous. That night I was dreaming that I was falling and, falling and falling and falling and falling and falling and my parachute wouldn't open up. They say that if you see yourself in your dream, hit the ground, what do they say? You die. Now, that's always funny to me. Who says that? Coroner comes in, hmm, died in his sleep. Yeah, yeah, he died in his sleep, all right. Must have been dreaming he was falling out of a plane or something. <laughs> Poor guy never woke up. I got up that morning, walked into the, to the uh, uh, kitchen to the smell of ham and biscuits and gravy and coffee and orange juice. And my dad was sitting there eating a big breakfast, and he, uh, he said, son, come on in, have a big breakfast. No, no, mom, just a glass of orange juice. That's all I need. I was nervous. I tell you, butterflies are going all in. My brother had his binoculars. He had two cameras, and he had a piece of paper that said, sign this. If you die, I want your room. That's what he said. We got out to the car. We had a Volkswagen convertible uh, bug, you know, and and, uh, my dad said, son, you can drive. No, thanks, Dad. I'll I'll just sit over here. I'm all right. Well, I was nervous. You ever been nervous? I was nervous. And my brother, man, he got in with all this stuff. And I looked over at the garage door, and there was my mother and my baby sister still in their bedclothes. I said, Mom, Susie, aren't, aren't you coming? Man, my mother, she was so mad at my dad. He's going to die. Bobby, you're going to take our son. He's going to die today. I thought, man, he's seen, she's seen my dream last night or something. <laughs> what is this? Oh, my. I was so scared. Got there to the drop zone. It's a sod farm. Boy, that's a nice drop zone, isn't it? A sod farm, that's nice. And, uh, and he wanted me to pack my parachute. Now, that's not standing operating procedure for the first jump to pack your own parachute. Not your reserve, but your main chute. But he said, I'll watch it, just pack it. I'm thinking, oh, my God. It wasn't even mine. It was borrowed, obviously, and the guy didn't repack it the last time. So I packed it, and the whole time he was talking to somebody else about his airplane. Sergeant Carter also flew the airplane that we all jumped out of. Well, we got to the we were walking out to the to the plane and uh, uh, he goes, Porter, I said, sir. He said, there's something I forgot to tell you about. I thought, good night. The army pays this guy good money for two weeks. And he forgot to tell me something the day I'm about to jump. He said, you see this big cross out here, 30 foot fluorescent orange cross. I said, yes, sir. He said, now when you jump out of that plane, there's going to be one of our instructors standing, orientating himself to the, in that cross. You keep your eyes focused on that guy on the cross. You watch him, and by where he stands and moves around, he's tell, that will tell you how to maneuver your toggle lines and either go left or go right. You understand that? Yes, sir. It went in one ear and out the other. You ever been nervous and couldn't understand a thing anybody was saying? It was just all blah, 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 you know? But I knew better than to argue with him. I figured I'm going to die. might as well die without arguing with Sergeant Carter. Going in that plane was myself, another, uh, uh, myself, I almost said another girl, uh, myself and a girl, all right? (laughs) It's one of those days. And about three or four divers were going. Now, the only seat in that airplane was for Sergeant Carter. All the other seats had been removed. You ever sat in a slick aluminum floor in an airplane with no seats and no door and no seat belts? You would think, well, preacher, you ought to be pretty safe. You had a parachute. Well, mm, uh, there we sat. We went up to about 15,000 feet, and those three or four guys bailed out. They jumped out, and man, then Carter likes to drop the wing like this. You know, so you're hanging on to a D-ring on the floor, hoping you will not slide out. And so uh, then, you know, my dad taught me to be a gentleman. And so girls first, right? I said, you go first. Okay. She got out there, and you just, you grab hold of the strut, the airplane, the wings overhead, and, and this left leg is on a piece of metal right above the tire, and this leg is just blowing in a 60-mile-an-hour breeze, and then you hang on to the strut, and the, 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 the um, dive master slaps the back of your leg, and he said, go! And she said, no! 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 Like that. And he thought, oh my word. So he reached out, grabbed her wrist, popped them off the strut, and phew, threw her out of the plane. Now, you all sound alarmed about that, but it's safer to do that than to try to bring somebody in and take the chance of a parachute opening up on the way in and, and killing everybody. So I was thankful for that right there. And that was good. (laughs) Then it's my turn. We circled around. We watched her parachute deployed. Everything looked good. And so then he, you know, circled back around, got his plane in the orientation due to the wind, all that stuff. And then I'm sitting right next to him and in the ready, ready position. He's flying along. He goes, Porter. I said, sir. Are you nervous? Yes, sir. He said, that's good. If you're nervous, that makes a good jumper out of you. And I thought to myself, if being nervous makes you a good jumper, Sergeant, you're fixing to see the best jump you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> this is going to be spectacular. So it was my turn. I got out on the strut of the plane on that little piece of metal, my leg blowing in the breeze. And and got a slap on the back of the leg, go! And I pushed off, and I go into what they call a French cross, and one-one-thousand, uh, One, 1, two-one-thousand, Oh Lord, please open this chute, three-one-thousand, four-one-thousand, Oh no, five-one-thousand, shoo! And it was as quiet as that. Man, Tampa Bay doesn't smell that bad at that altitude in the summertime. I saw the beauty. I was just floating it is great. I'd take any one of you diving tomorrow if you wanted to go. It is wonderful, and no, no buddy dive, no uh, what do they call it, uh, hook on to dive. You do it by yourself. Just get out there. No radios, everything. Just and I'm singing songs. I'm just woo doing one of these things, you know, going this way, you know, just have, crabbing this way, crabbing that way. Just man, just doing every maneuver I can think of. Uh oh. I forgot one thing, didn't I? Sergeant Carter told me when I got out of the plane, I was supposed to look at the cross. And I failed to do that. I was looking at everything else around me. I was enjoying it. I was singing every song I knew. i tell you, this was up, up, and away, everything, you know? And, and, and all of a sudden it dawned on me. And you know what? I started looking for the cross and I found it. But there was my dad. He was standing around that cross. And there was my brother and there was the instructor. And it was hard for me to tell which one was which. And I'm thinking, oh, this way. Then they'd move and I'd go this way. And, and I landed, <laughs> there, was a, it was, there was the sod farm, then there was a cattle pasture out there. Those cows didn't give milk for over two weeks, I don't think. They saw my shadow and that scared them. They started moving and I thought, get out of the way, get out of the way. I thought, I'm going to hit a cow, I'm going to hit a cow. And I landed thump out there, uh, and I avoided all the cow patties. I know you were thinking that. And that girl that jumped before me, she got in her Toyota Corolla, and she drove her car all the way out the middle of that pasture. And I didn't feel like getting in that car. I was upset with myself. I was discouraged. So I just sat on the hood. I was about 100 pounds lighter, so I didn't cave it in. And she drove me all the way back, all the way back to Sergeant Carter, who was already on the ground. He dropped that plane, and did I tell you he spits DNA all over me? Well, he did. And uh, I jumped again and uh, found out that skydiving was a lot of fun, but it was very expensive, very expensive, especially in those days in the 70s. And uh, that, was, that was the end of my skydiving adventure what did I do? What did I not do? I did not keep my eyes focused where I needed to keep them focused. And if we do that, you will fail. You will fail miserably. My son, give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my week, my ways. In order to be used of God, we must stay focused on God. Look at verse 3. Verse 3 and it says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. God is the God of mercy. Psalms 86.5 says, For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all that call upon him. That word comfort means exhortation, encouragement. And that is why the Holy Spirit is called the Comforter. John 14, 26, But the Comforter, which is the who? The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Am I a child of God? If the Holy Spirit that indwells within you, convicts you, shows you you're doing wrong. That's a good sign. Not your conscience, but the Holy Spirit, of saying you're a child of God. If you can't live in your sin, if you're saddened by your sin, man, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And and He's bringing all things to your remembrance. And all this shows you that God is a God of comfort, of exhortation, and of encouragement. All comfort comes from God. It's not an angel. It's not a, a comic force. It's not a pill. It's not a, a psychotherapy it's, or a quick and clever slogan that just warms your heart and makes you feel fuzzy all over. But you ask, how is the comfort received from God? It's received by faith. By faith you receive it, and you act upon it. So many people, uh, you know, they know they have the Holy Spirit that dwells within them, but they just don't listen. They don't focus. They don't, they don't yield themselves to the Holy Spirit that lives within them. You hear you get the the Lord sends you from uh, gives you information um, uh, also by other people. Uh, God uses his people to comfort you. When you have a problem, doesn't the Lord send someone to encourage you by giving you a word, a card or a dinner or whatever? Just come over and just let you let you just cry on their shoulder. You know, most people that are in discouragement, the best therapy you can give them is let them vent. Just let them talk to you. The comforter. It's good to help other people. It's good to allow God to help you be a comfort to other people. Look at verse 4. It says, Who comforts us in all our afflictions. All our afflictions. Afflictions come in all different shapes. Sickness, financial, uh, loss of a loved one, uh, unsure future, automobile accident. But also, and this is something very important, afflictions occur in the heart, in that place where we get frustrated, we become confused, we start hurting, and it's, in our, it's inside of us. It's not something that we can put a Band-Aid on or take an aspirin or set a cast on our arm to, after we've broken it. It's in our hearts, in our inner being, and we're, we're discouraged. We've got afflictions. We live in a fallen world, people, It takes a world with trouble in it to train Christians for their high calling as children of God. James 1, 2 through 4 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, you know, various temptations, knowing this, that in the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Verse four, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in affliction with the comfort with those uh, we ourselves are comforted by God. God will have us go through a trial, a tribulation in our life, so that someday on down the road, you'll be able to go to that person and say, you know what? I lost my wife and it's tough. And I want to pray with you. I can relate. See, I can't relate to somebody that's lost their wife. I can't relate to somebody that, a child has died in their family. I can I can sympathize, but I cannot relate. I don't know how it feels. I've lost my mom's passed away, my dad's passed away. I understand a parent dying, but get somebody that uh, has lost their child. God has us go through those discouragements. Uh, I'm not saying that He 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 orchestrated the discouragement. He orchestrated what's going on. I'm not saying that, but with that that you're going through, God can make good out of it, and he'll use you to help. You see, God does not comfort you to make you comfortable, but to make you a comforter. Lighthouses were built by shipwrecked sailors. Roads were widened by mangled motorists. Hospitals were built by those who were sick. Where nobody suffers, nobody cares. When you suffer, you learn to care. And that is why God does not comfort us to make us comfortable, but to make us comforters. But don't forget, he suffered first. Look at verse five, and we'll close. For as the suffering of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. This means that all comfort, all encouragement, and hope that we receive through the people, through God's word, through prayer, or through circumstances are filtered through the Lord Jesus Christ. He knows what discouragement is. And therefore, the comfort is pure, it's good, and it's right. And we receive it by faith. And when our sufferings are abundant, uh, so is our comfort. And this comfort is a spiritual comfort. Received by faith, by active choice. Hello friends, this is Pastor Tom Porter of Temple Baptist Church in Titusville, Florida. I would like to thank you for joining me in this podcast and bringing the good news that Jesus Christ is the risen Savior. There is no problem too big and no blessing too small when Jesus is the Lord of our lives. I would like to ask you a question. When you die, where will you spend eternity? Will you spend it with Jesus forever or be eternally separated from Him? You know, the Bible says, Whosoever calleth upon the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved from their sins. You know, it's God's desire for you to have faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. Your sins have separated you from God. You must admit to God that you're a sinner and ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. Jesus bridges that gap between you on this earth and heaven. Will you accept Jesus as your personal Savior today? It's easier than you think. You can pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I admit to you that I'm a sinner. I realize that you paid the penalty for my sins on the cross, and I want to receive you into my life right now. Save me from my sins. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you just prayed that prayer with me, then you've been born into the family of God.
0: Thanks for listening. Resolved is a production of Temple Baptist Church, Titusville, Florida, USA. For notes on this message and others, you can find them at resolved.podbean.com. If you wish to send us a question or comment, you can email us at resolved.tbc at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at Resolved Podcast. If you're ever in our area, we hope that you'll come by and see us. Remember, Jesus is Lord.